Good afternoon. You are listening to The Big Tent on Radio Boise. I'm Justin Vaughn. I'm here with Jen Schneider and Corey Cook. Uh, we're all professors at School of Public Service at Boise State University. And uh, we've been doing this show for a few weeks, but this is our first ever Radiothon episode of The Big Tent. So um, we're excited to be here. We're also excited to be here uh, today with our our very special guest, Ron Pisaneski, uh, who is general manager of Idaho Public Television, but more importantly, at least for the next hour, a, uh, a supporter of Radio Boise. Uh, Absolutely, uh, Justin. I've been, uh, my, my wife and I are sustaining members and uh, really proud to be a part of uh, Radio Boise and support it. You know, I think my feeling is if, if you listen, you really should uh, go out and do what you can to help them out financially. Well, we pre- we appreciate that, and we appreciate all you listeners who are, um, you know, a couple days now into the uh, the the fever pitch pitching of uh, Radiothon, and uh, are are going to be dialing up the phones here at Radio Boise and showing your your love for our show and for all the other shows on our station. The phone number today two zero eight two five eight two zero seven two, or you can. Uh, log in online and do a secure uh, donation uh, via radioboise.org. Or you can just come on down to our station uh, and visit us in person, have some pizza or any whatever else is out in our kind of hallway of of good cheer right now. And um, There's some cookies uh, out there that look pretty cookies. amazing. So I can't believe I'm going to say this. My you know teenage self would slap me, but I had a delicious salad. Uh, oh. Like twenty minutes. My my thirty nine wow. year old yeah. self wants to slap me. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, but there's a delicious salad. Still, at least one left. If I if I don't eat it. Um, so uh, that's what we're doing today. And um, Ron, you guys have some pretty exciting things over at Idaho Public Television. Uh, it's debate season. It is uh, debate season has already started uh, on uh, Tuesday of this week. We did our first debate with for the candidates for lieutenant governor on the Republican side, and uh, I think those folks who watched it will agree it was it was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was a colorful debate. You got a, you know substantively it was fascinating, um, but it obviously garnered uh, some fireworks. Um, yeah, but I also think it gave people a good feel for all of the candidates right. uh, who are running for uh, for lieutenant governor and gave people an opportunity to really see them uh, in action and uh, get a sense of what they would be like. And yeah. uh, at least speaking for myself, I certainly uh, got a better understanding of who they were and what they what they believed in. Well, there's some crowded fields for some of these races. So to be able to you know see these candidates in action and next to each other in that sort of format, I think, is really helpful to voters. So coming up tonight is the second one for uh, state treasurer, also Republican candidates for state treasurer. That'll be on tonight at 8.30 p.m. And then we move on to the governors, first the Democratic candidates for governor on Sunday, April 22nd at 7 p.m. And then Republican candidates for governor on Monday, April 23rd at 8 p.m. Uh, and then later that week, uh, on the 27th, we'll do the superintendent of public instruction candidates from the Republican side. And then on uh, Sunday, the 29th, we'll do the uh, first congressional district candidates also on the GOP side. So for people who don't uh, normally watch debates, maybe they think they're boring or they're not sure what they're going to see, can you talk a little bit about what the importance of uh, watching these candidates interact is? Well, I, I think you get a sense both of them in, in terms of their policies and what they believe in, but I also think you get a sense of their personalities as well. And, you know, 
in a lot of these races, um, it's really more about their leadership and how they may approach certain issues coming up. They don't know. They may not have a specific uh, policy statement on on a particular topic right now, but you get a sense of how they might interact with the legislature or with other members of, uh, of Senate and House or the and you know other agencies, et cetera. So. One thing that I think people wonder about is uh, where the questions come from like the, that the moderators ask. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So this is a partnership. It isn't as if public TV does this whole thing on their own effect. Our role is probably more about the television side. So it's a partnership with um, the Idaho Press Club, who provides both the journalists and helps sort of set up who's going to ask what kinds of questions, depending. And we bring in or they bring in journalists from all over the state um, and with folks who are specialists in a particular area. So if, if the candidates are for superintendent of public instruction, you're going to bring in the, the reporters who really cover education and know that in depth. If you're talking about the governor's race, it's the folks who really cover the governor, or if it's, if it's uh, the treasurers, it's people with background in that kind of field. And, um, and so they determine those questions. And then we have our other partners, our, uh, the School of Public Service at BSU, the uh, uh, ISU's uh, Department of P Political Science, the McClure Center for Public Policy at U of I, and then uh, the League of Women Voters Education Fund. So those are our other partners, and some of them help us with determining who's a, who, which is a candidate that uh, is, is conducting an active campaign. Um, and some of them help with some of the other logistical issues. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a big operation to put these on, and so it's great to have all of the folks involved. I'm one of those folks who just loves watching the debates. And it's, um, again, in, in, in Idaho, it's, it's different than the presidential debates, right? They're, this is, I mean, they're far less scripted. They're far, they, stay, they don't stay quite on message in the same way that I think folks who watch sort of national debates expect, uh -huh. uh, a little bit more free-flowing and informative. You have you know, debates like the one the other night where, you know, I think probably a lot of folks in Idaho, these aren't necessarily household names who are running for lieutenant governor. There's been a lot of money spent, a lot of attention given to the governor's race. But, you know, for, for probably most people in Idaho, this is their first time seeing all, certainly seeing all those candidates on the same stage and interacting with one another. So it's, I think it's helpful from that perspective. But I think a lot of us are fascinated to see what happens in the governor's races because, again, the candidates have largely been, to, you know, conducting this con election on their own. They've, they've given a lot of speeches. They've, all three are now up on the airwaves, on radio and, 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 and television. To see them you know, in, a, right. in a televised debate is going to be fascinating. Right. Interacting together for a full hour, I think people really get a sense of, of who they are and what their positions are on the various issues and how they're different from each other. I mean, even, even uh, on uh, Tuesday night, there were certainly some things in which they all pretty much agreed but then there were clearly differences right. along the way in terms of both policy and in personality. That's right. Are there things that you uh, worry about when you're thinking about planning these debates? What are, what are you thinking about or what keeps you up at night uh, well, in the preparation I, I think we, we, we certainly want to be fair to everybody. That's one of the things, certainly, and make sure that everybody has an equal shot at it. So, you know, the, the Supreme Court had this decision a number of years ago, Arkansas versus Forbes, that that allowed stations and, and debate participants or partners rather to uh, to limit who they were going to invite to the debate as long as they used the same criteria for all the candidates, and that's certainly what we've done. 
Um, so, well, you you provide a, a massively important public service for the state uh, here, and it's one that um, Idaho Public Television is uniquely positioned to uh, to provide in the state. Um, but it's also one I think that's consistent with uh, independent media and uh, and uh, the importance of that. And whether you're talking about independent media and, and funded public television, or you're talking about Fun independent media in um, the uh, in, in, in the radio booth here at Radio Boise. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Ron, you're a supporter of Radio Boise. What, other than maybe some sense of professional obligation, uh, what, uh, what, what makes you a, a, a fan and an, an enthusiast to this station? Well, uh, you know, we, we, we listen, we enjoy the music, and, and, and especially, I think, enjoy the variety of different music. A lot of things that you just simply aren't going to hear anywhere else on the dial. Um, and for us, that's that's certainly one of the things that we appreciate. And then, you know, I think most people feel some obligation, we certainly do, to try to make the community a better place. And having this independent voice, this opportunity to, uh, to hear uh, local people like yourselves talking about local issues um, or local DJs, list, you know, playing the music that they love, I, I think is important as well. And, if, you know... I've always said in terms of public television that it's sort of television on the honor system. And I think Boise, uh, Radio Boise is the same way. If you listen to it, if you appreciate it, you know, you really should have an obligation to do your part. And it can be at whatever level and dollar-wise works for your budget. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, you know, $5 a month, $10 a month. When, you know, you think about a cup of coffee is almost $5 a month, and yet the, the pleasure that you can get from uh, listening to Radio Boise, I think is worth at least that much. Well said. Uh, people like there are lots of people like Ron out there. You may already be one out there in your car or at home, and you're thinking about continuing that support or increasing that support. Something that you may know um, uh, or not know is that um, uh, Radio Boise, sixty percent of the funds that allow us to bring these things to the community are provided by don- from donations from people like Ron uh, and uh, and many other people in our community. Uh, we we play a limited number of uh, messages, we you know underwriting, uh, and that does um, add to our budget. But only about twenty five to thirty percent of the annual budget for the state. We have events. You've probably seen them around town. There's a a practice New Year's every fall, late late fall that um, uh, is uh, always well attended. Those kinds of things uh, help us raise about an additional fifteen percent of our uh, of our budget. But the vast majority of it comes from listeners like you that um, pick up the phone and give us a call. Again, you can reach us if you are interested at 258-2072. That's 208-258-2072. Or visit us on our website with our new easy giving button at www.radioboise.org. Or come on down to the station. We're here live right now, 1020 West Main Street, uh, downstairs in Suite 50. You can have some snacks, a salad, pizza you can get cookies you can compliment ron (laughs) on the series of excellent um debates that idaho public television is bringing the state i want to say too it's such a great time to give because uh as you've probably heard on the station already we discovered a few weeks ago that our antenna had uh 
sustain some damage. And this is really an opportunity to give to the radio station and to ensure that we're going to be on the air for a good long time, that we have the funds to repair that antenna so that we can be broadcast throughout the valley. It's a great time to be part of the Radio Boise family. Absolutely. There's a lot of exciting things happening. Um, we have you here today to talk to us, Ron, about other exciting things that are happening. I think something that people who are public television uh, fans are excited about is the uh, the new Idaho Experience show that is going to be uh it, it is. We, we launched our, you know, for the first time in almost 20 years, we're launching a new ongoing um, series. So those of you who know Outdoor Idaho or Idaho Reports, uh, they, ha- they have a new uh, member of the family and it's Idaho Experience. Um, if, you, if you've watched American Experience, the national PBS series, this is similar to that. It's going to be some biographies. It's going to be some event history. Uh, very story based. Um, so the first season we did one. Our first episode was on the Titans and featured uh, Harry Magnuson from up in uh, the Wallace, the uh, the mining district up there, uh, and J.R. Simplot and Joe Albertson, and then sort of how that entrepreneurial spirit uh, sort of infuses uh, new entrepreneurs in, in in Idaho. So a great kickoff that we did on. Uh, in, in March last month, and then uh, the next episode features Kitty Wilkins, who is uh, sort of the horse queen of Idaho. She was a horse trader that that uh, was born in the 1800s and became one of the largest suppliers of horses around the world, and all <laughs> came out of Idaho. And at one point, you know, the the trains would roll up to her, right up to her place, and they just load them up by the carload um, to to go to places like Chicago and New York and elsewhere in the country. And she was an amazing entrepreneur that almost nobody knows her story. So why don't we have a horse queen option for our license plates? Right? Yeah, we've that's, got. That sounds great. I hear that a petition might be getting started right after this show. <laughs> Check us out at Big Tent Radio on Twitter if you wanna if you wanna sign. We reclaim the horse queen, Idaho. There you go. Have I ever told you guys my uh, J.R. Simplot story? So he, uh, I graduated from the College of Idaho, which was Albertson College at that time in 1996, and he was our graduation speaker. And, uh, of course, it was a hot, sunny day. We're all sitting out on the quad for this um, graduation ceremony. And he was a great speaker, but he went on for kind of a long time. <laughs> uh, and towards the end of the speech, he pulled something out of his pocket, you know, from within his robes. And he held it up as this tiny little thing. And he held, holds it up to the audience. And he says, this, this is the future. And all of us are like... Okay, old man, what are you talking about? It was a microchip. Okay. We didn't even have email yet at the College of Idaho. So it was just one of those moments of like remembering, ah, history happened here. (laughs) You basically basically invented it. Yes. Me and Al Gore got together and we made some some things happen. Absolutely. That's funny. Uh, so um, what, uh, what other kind of episodes, if you're willing to tease them, do we maybe have in store after, the, after we all get our fill of multiple airings of uh, The Horse Queen? Uh, so the next one is really about the history of the, the Chinese uh, mm. contributions to Idaho history. And um, it's a wonderful, you know, it, we have the overarching story of the Chinese in, in Idaho and including the... Uh, the sort of exclusion act where they had to leave. And, and But this story centers around a, a young woman who 
was born in uh, Idaho City in the 1880s um, and then uh, grew up here. And then as she became a sort of young adult, had to, had to leave because all of the Chinese were forced to leave Idaho in, in America as part of the Chinese Exclusion Act. But when she went back to Hong Kong, she kept sending letters back and forth to the people that she knew and, and grew up with in Idaho. And these, these letters sort of formed the basis of this beautiful story of her experience in Idaho as she reminisced about the things that she did and the people that she knew. And then uh, Melissa Davlin, who's producing this episode, uh, somehow or another through uh, lots of research found descendants of this uh, this young woman in in California, went and interviewed them and got even more of a treasure trove of material to work with. So it's a great story and very heartwarming and, you know, and I think tells the story of the Chinese in, in Idaho in a way that's very human. And Ron, I, I, uh, Idaho reports to me is sort of required viewing, and I admit to an addiction now to outdoor Idaho. Um, you know, being new to Idaho, it's sort of a uh, you know, way of sort of you know falling in love with the state. Getting you know, it's, it's just visually stunning as a thing you'll see, and the and the episodes are really compelling. I'm not sure I have time in my day to develop a new addiction, so I'm hoping the show isn't quite as compelling as you're suggesting. It's it's really <laughs> compelling. We I was just watching footage of the horse. The Horse Queen uh, episode, um, and oh, the, there it goes. and and the, I'm in trouble. The, and the and the, uh, the drone footage of the horses rolling along, and you know, low. It's just exquisite. So we have a really talented videography and editing team, and um, I'm and and I should say that um, Rachel Martin, the host of NPR's Morning Edition, is our voice, our host mm-hmm. of the program. Uh, she agreed to do it at no cost to us. It's just yeah, it's just terrific. She's an Idahoan of. Fifth generation Idahoan from the Idaho Falls area. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So it's another little thing. Um, so you spoke about outdoor Idaho. Yeah. We have a we have a new outdoor Idaho episode coming up pretty quickly on restoring rivers. So kind of an, an mm-hmm. environmental story about the people that are trying to do that. Where they where is that focus? Mostly in eastern Idaho. Okay. So a lot of the rivers that, including the river that goes right through um, downtown um, uh, Pocatello. Yeah, so Ron, you know this. But we we were involved in one of the um, uh, the the pledge sure. times during during uh, Idaho Public Television, and my my kids, you know, were tuning in probably to to watch me do some pitches, and they it was we were showing the outdoor Idaho on the Boulder White Clouds, yeah. and my kids just fell in love with the Boulder White Clouds. I mean, really, just the. The, you know the the visual of it, and my my uh, my oldest son said, you know, that's what he wants for his birthday is to go to go see that. There you go. See that location um, again. The way that you you talk about the story, the history of the area, the 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 long fight to have that be recognized, right. which uh, did again just recently. Now we have those those Boulder White Cows being renamed Maybe for for C. Landris. That's great. Um, anyway, it's just a, it's an incredible Idaho story, and you and you told it in such a compelling way. And again, I think that's. Um, it says something when you have, you know, you know, eight and ten year olds sort of captivated to know more about where they live and sort of have that affection for their state is, is, is an important service you provide. Well, thank you. And, you know, the interesting thing, of course, is now people everywhere in the world can watch our programs because they're all streamed online as well as watching them on television. And so we hear from folks literally all over the world and especially former Idahoans who had to move to some other part of the country or the world and they they tune in and they tell us how much they miss the state. 
So uh, we are, as we've mentioned before, we're here for a Radiothon week. Week one. This is the first of two Radiothon shows that we get to do. Uh, so uh, tuck in and, and get ready. Uh, but Radiothon is not only about kind of giving stuff to the station, coming supporting the station that you that you love. You can also get some cool things in exchange for it. And so uh, we have this year a if you give us a one time gift of sixty dollars, a Radio Boise swag bag. Uh, that's been printed by Deadwood Design. It's got a bunch of Radio Boise surprises inside and uh, stickers, buttons, the uh, often uh, coveted Radio Boise can koozie. Uh, it size perfectly fixed records or I guess maybe LP political science lectures. Uh, if that, if <laughs> wow. Is that your jam? Well, hint, I mean, you really know our audience, hint, I feel like. Yeah, no. I, I thought we agreed we were going to stop making those. <laughs> <laughs> so for $60, you can, just one time, you can give us a, you can call us up, so, show us some support, and uh, and take home one of those swag bags. Or if that seems like kind of a lot to do at one moment, um, there's all sorts of different interesting things you can get uh, if, you know, as a thank you for gifts uh they're smaller amounts but sustaining over the course of the year so for for 10 bucks a month you can do you can get a, a really cool radio boise t-shirt for yourself or just well anyone in, in your in your life from the smallest of children to the largest of adults um <laughs> the uh for 15 dollars a month you can get a pretty cool uh mesh trucker hat that has the new radio boise logo on it um you know and, and there's, there's other options uh a a, a hoodie a um, a, local, a a new uh, design T-shirt by a, a local artist named April Vandegrift um, that was just created for Radio Boise supporters, limited edition, twenty five dollars a month, uh, and then there are other options on t- uh, that keep kind of going up. And so, if you're interested in not only supporting Radio Boise but um, you know getting something in exchange, or or maybe having something you can kind of wear around town to show your affection all year long. Uh, you know, you can call us up and uh, our our phone operators can tell you more about those options. You can see them online yourself uh, at RadioBoise.org. You can come down and take a look at the flyer I got in my hand right this minute. Um, and we're at 1020 West Main Street. Uh, Jen, what are you going to get? Oh, I'm definitely um, going to – I'm aiming for like a, a T-shirt or a sweatshirt, something like that. But I tell you what is most important to me is just – being a part of something like this like this really is a community project i don't know if you guys saw that uh video that got sent around social media last week this the sinclair news video where you had a bunch of talking heads that uh across the country saying the same thing in unison and i don't know about you but that sort of made my heart fall in my stomach a little bit. And so if you're interested in supporting independent media, the kind of independent journalism and storytelling that Ron is involved in, uh, talk shows like this where we try to present things as, as straight as we can without a lot of punditry, I think this is an awesome opportunity. Go to radioboise.org. Any amount will help. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to thank you so much for your support. You can also give us a call at 208 Two five eight two zero seven two. Yeah, and there's lots of. Not only are there all these unique, interesting, or independent, original voices that are um, uh, are coming out uh, on th- to the Radio Boise airwaves, but uh, the, the 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 station here is always doing incredibly interesting uh, uh, outreach work. Um, they're teaching people how to make media. They're teaching people how to put together stories. Young people, 
uh, uh, regular citizens that um, and that by uh, raising our funds, we can do more of that stuff. And so um, uh, I encourage you to give us a call or stop on down or go online and um, uh, help us provide more uh, information, more opportunities to listeners like you, but also to the future radio DJs and podcasters and and storytellers uh, of our community. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick break, and then we'll be back. We'll talk more with Ron Pisaneski, uh, Corey, Jen, and I, um, uh, and uh, a little more about the importance of public media in, in uh, our contemporary society and uh, other stuff that's exciting and on tap at uh, Idaho Public Television. Everybody here is just fired up. It's, and it's honestly, yes, it's Tree Fort right now, but the folks at Radio Boise just year-round do a great job promoting music, putting on music, making musicians accessible to the public. It's pretty cool. And afternoon. We are uh, back on Radio <laughs> Boise, uh, and uh, we, we were just talking and realized we should, we should hold that conversation and have it with our listeners. Uh, Corey was just telling us about a David Brooks article, came here not long ago, and to massive turnout. Um, and, uh, so he gave a distinguished lecture at Boise State yeah. uh, a little over a year ago. Yeah. And he's got a new piece out in the New York Times talking about it. It was in reference to the, the Zuckerberg hearings and Facebook. And, and his argument essentially in the op-ed piece was that uh, we're sort of looking at the wrong problem and that the obsessive focus on privacy and the loss of privacy was, to Brooks, not all that interesting. Really, the, he said you know, the real issue is how um, alienating uh, social media has become and that you know, pointed to some studies that showed, for example, the more time you spend online or on social media, the higher rates of depression and more likely you are to become disconnected. And I was I was really taken both by what Ron had talked about, about their new programming and, and Jen's comment about public media broadly, right, that it's about community building. And really, in, in, again, I'm not trying to pitch this as an, in opposition necessarily to social media, but in a time where consumption of media is so much connected to alienation and disengagement, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation to talk about how public media can actually draw communities together, right, and celebrate stories that bring people uh, to a b- deeper understanding of you know, political issues or the history of their communities. Um, and it's, again, a, di- a very different conception of what the role of sort of you know, media is than I think what we probably saw in Washington um, you know, a week ago about how we protect people's privacy um, from uh, you know, on Facebook. And anyway, I thought that was an interesting conversation. And would love to hear you know, Ron, you know, your you thoughts. Know, you know, it's, it's interesting because we – when we launched Idaho Experience, we actually launched it online as a, in, on Facebook and, and uh, other platforms. And, um, and the amount of feedback we got from people, it was really their chance to tell about their own personal experiences around a particular event. So we asked some questions like showed a little clip from the Teton Dam disaster and said, where were you when that happened? Or uh, some funny stories about the first ski lift to, happened in Idaho. And then people, you know, had wonderful stories that they shared about their own skiing experience or the first time they took their kids up skiing. And so I think it. we that's hope that that's yeah. the kind of thing that public media can do, which is to bring people together and have these shared experiences. I think really what what Facebook and other social media hoped to do at the beginning before it became kind of politicized and lots of other uh, concerns uh, uh, took place. I've been reading the work of Whitney Phillips. She's an an English scholar who studies online trolling communities. 
And what she argues is that um, social media is actually a pretty good mirror of our culture writ large. And so there are there is the promise of social media, sort of what you were just talking about, the great democratizing potential of having your voice heard and telling your story and producing media. Uh, and at the same time, it's also the home of internet trolls and of doxing and of harassment, right? And so in that way, maybe it's really just sort of mirroring back the different parts of our culture to ourselves. Yeah. I, uh, I guess we're all old enough probably to have had an experience like this, but um, it, uh, we talked about Facebook and social media and class of mine, I think, I think last semester. And, and uh, I realized my students didn't know why it was called Facebook. And I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if you had this experience, but when I was in college in the 90s, um, we were given a Facebook and it was a pamphlet with photos of all the new students that were in our cohort. I went to college in Caldwell. So you just knew everybody. Oh, okay. that was our Facebook. So I think we had, I don't, I don't know. My, 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 and you went to a big school. So I went maybe. to a big university. And so there was never an expectation you get to know anybody. Yeah. So we, well, I, I, I still memorized my ID number. I could tell you from when I was 18 years old, <laughs> what my ID number was. Facebook knows. Because it wasn't, because it wasn't important my name or my face. It was huh. actually the ID number, but yeah. Yeah. So, so, well, so what we had was this thing called a Facebook and it was, I don't know, the three or 400 people who were in the new freshman class of that year their photos their hometowns their majors and and that was kind of how you got to know all these strange people right and so uh you know several years later i i first joined facebook when i was getting my phd and uh i was like oh facebook yeah that word makes sense to me as a thing <laughs> it's not a multi mega multinational company right and and facebook's original version was a virtual version of that right Put in your course listings. Yeah. Oh, you're taking Archie Architecture 101. All the people in Architecture 101 can see you, right? Because you have that connection. It was very much so pegged to your university, pegged to your course lists. Mm -hmm. um, and and then you can make other friends and other universities and so on. And, and great women. Let's not forget. That was a uh, base function there at the beginning. I did not know yes. that. Uh, I'm innocent of that. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, I just made you <laughs> speechless. <laughs> yeah, these guys are smart enough not to say anything. I'm, yeah, I right, was dumb right. enough to protest my innocence. Right. <laughs> well, thanks, Jen. Um, <laughs> Listen, if the token feminist doesn't speak up, who's who's going to? Right. That's true. That's true. Uh, so so yeah. So so even Facebook that has this mission kind of can lose itself and. Um, and, you know, it's, it's up to these entities, whether it's Idaho Public Television or Radio Boise or, or others in, in this community and throughout the country and throughout the world that um, help you uh, maintain that kind of uh, sense of continuity and, and ability to, um, to keep grounded in the ways that Corey was suggesting. Well, again, not to stay on, on Facebook necessarily, but, you know, the conversation in the last couple of weeks in Washington has been about their business model, right? And, again, that's, that's part of what went, went wrong here is that their business model is based on, you know, selling people's data. Mm -hmm. um, that's what made them successful. And again, the, you know, if we're going to talk about differentiation with public media, it's, and that's, that's your key differentiator is that you know, this isn't about you know, gathering what might otherwise be seen as private data and trying to monetize it. And uh, you know, again, I think you know, yeah, I, my sense from their founding and how they evolved, I mean, a, a lot of it stems from how did their business model evolve and how they got big. And um, you know, again, as we talked a few weeks ago, I don't think the Cambridge Analytica issue is particularly surprising to anybody. Um, maybe it's surprising the, the amount of data they were able to capture, but that they were able to use big data for that purpose, I don't think is surprising to anybody. 
Well, one thing we can promise you is if you go to RadioBoise.org and show your support for the Big Tent and for Radio Boise, we won't share your data with anyone. <laughs> uh, so you can call in at 208-258-2072 uh, or uh, go online, RadioBoise.org. Or, hey, this is your radio. It's community radio. That means you can come on down to 1020 West Main Street. We're down here in the basement. We have some food. You can check it out. Uh, see what it looks like. Come say hi. That would be great. Justin, you've been a DJ here for a long time. When did you uh, start with Radio Boise? That's a good question. Uh, I think I started coming. I did. I used to do a music show called Still Got It. Uh, I started maybe four years ago and then did it for a couple of years. And there was a controversy around that music show, I understand, right? There was a... a <laughs> <laughs> I had serious trouble, not for violating FCC regulations, but for playing Nirvana. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still gonna do it if I ever get another chance. In fact, maybe that'll be our our outro music today right. if I can find some. <laughs> um, uh, so um, you know, uh, giving money to the station, to supporting a station, keeps unfortunately Nirvana off the airways. Uh, <laughs> but it does allow a lot of other things. And right now, uh, Jen already mentioned that um, that uh, your gift will help us make critical repairs to our antenna that's way out there in the Hawaii range and takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to repair when it goes down. We're in the process of trying to make it bigger and better than ever before, but that takes resources and we're, we're looking to you to uh, help with that. As we mentioned before, 60% of our, uh, of our budget comes from uh, donations. Um, and so not only will a donation today help us uh, make sure we get those equipment upgrades that we need, but it'll help, um, uh, do, you know, keep the very small staff that we have here that does, you know, the work of many, many people um, and and help leverage the hundreds of volunteers that Radio Boise has uh, and help us uh, continue our efforts into the video production realm. Ron, you probably didn't want to hear about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're going to get it. We do live oh, music. Works. We do um, we do you know, in-studio in musical performances. We do events at places like uh, Tree Fort. And so uh, no no competition with that. I hope I'm I, 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 <laughs> Believe me, as I said earlier, I believe in this organization and you know, support it personally. And, you know, I also think that you, when you think about it, you can think of it as a gift to the station. But really, it's a gift to you and your family and the whole mm -hmm. community because you get it back in the form of, you know, better quality signal with the transmitters working better, great music, great, uh, great programs like this one that, you know, wouldn't happen without that support. And really, it's a, if you believe in it, you really should do your part. It, and again, it, everybody has a different financial situation. Some people, maybe they can only afford $5 a month or you know, but if you can give it whatever works for your budget, it certainly all adds up to great quality programming and a great staff and and a really uh, innovative uh, group of people putting this this organization on. Yeah, we only do Radiothon twice a year. We aim to raise about $45,000 just to support the basic functioning of the station, like Justin said, to pay the few folks who work here. The rest of this is volunteer labor, people who care about there being community radio on the air. So this is a, a great opportunity for you to support independent media right here in Boise. So, uh, Ron, I see uh, a, a very uh, useful chart in front of you there and about, about public trust and media entities. And uh, so, what? So, so every year, um, public television nationally does this research, and we've been doing it for a little over a decade now. And um, 
And every year, PBS shows up as the number one in public trust. So um, we're just going to take this moment and have a moment of zen. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I think, it, I think it was music to go over the conversation about public trust in the media. So I think yeah, anytime you say public trust in media, the birds come out chirping and the skies part and yeah, the clouds part. The you know, and somewhere someone is playing. Uh, I'm not even sure what that was. And you stopped talking about public trust in media, and the music went away. Yeah, right. There exactly. There you, so there you go. Let's try it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome so, to live radio, everybody. <laughs> so it's sort of interesting to me how how the you know in general the public believes in public media, public television in particular, but in public media um, vastly above other organizations, either other media organizations. You know, uh, uh, it, it's more than twice any of the commercial stations. Um, you get into uh, social media, and it's like us. You know, six times higher trust in, in in terms of what who which organization they rank as number one in their uh, uh, that they trust in terms of as a media organization. Um, so it's uh, you know for for us we we want to make sure that people believe you know think that we're doing a good job and you know obviously uh, that we do uh, are fair and and balanced and all of that, but also that we're good stewards of their contributions and I think that's another component of, of Boise Radio is this, or Radio Boise excuse me that is, is is that just a little bit of money goes a long way in terms of it's not being spent on salary big salaries or a lot of volunteers that help make it all happen I bet you have examples of people in the community who they know you or find out what you you do and come up and thank you for the work you do that, at Idaho Public Television. It's something people really value. It, it, it is, and um, you know, I, I certainly appreciate those nice comments. But really, it's a whole team of people. I, you know, I'm the I'm in a lot of places the face, and here I am on uh, on the air with you guys. But um, but there's a whole group of people, and it's really talented folks that work at public television that make it all make it all happen, including some really talented producers. Um, so, we've been um, talking a, a lot at Boise State and thinking about um, media literacy. Our colleague Seth Ashley has been working in that area a lot, um, and one of the things I've been thinking about lately is uh, and an again an image that was circulating on Facebook just to bring things full, full circle, um, that sort of mapped out various media sources according to their bias or their trustworthiness. I don't know if you all saw this, but sort of in the middle, either on the left side of the spectrum or the right side of the spectrum, where, you know, the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, respectively, CNN and, and NPR. And then uh, it sort of uh, went out from there and you saw... Um, Sources on the that might be described as far left and not as trustworthy, and those far right and uh, not as trustworthy, and so on. So I wonder what you think about having tools like that available um, to people in terms of uh, some media literacy, um, in terms of uh, trust in the media. Um, I, I think that it it's really hard for people, especially in this sort of world of the explosion of outlets for media, for folks to know you know, who to trust and where to go. Um, we've certainly done, as I said, a lot of research about where public television fits into this continuum and 
uh, whether you're a conservative Republican or you're a liberal Democrat, um, we tend to, to place highest among across the whole broad spectrum of folks. Um, you know, we also, I should just say, sort of an example of that is we, of course, get some federal funding um, uh, from the government. And, uh, uh, and when we did the research after the election, uh, even the majority of people who voted for Donald Trump who, who I might add in his, in his budget proposal has public television zeroed out. The majority of the people that voted for him not only didn't think that we should have our funding cut, uh, zeroed out, they didn't think it should be cut. They thought that we should get more money. Now, these are people that act, the majority of people that actually voted for Donald Trump whose position was to zero us out. So I, I think that that's an example of people's feelings towards public media, public television, public radio, organizations like this, that they want that independent voice. They want people that aren't beholden to commercial interests and who really have the, and, and who take journalism seriously. Well, to maybe come back to the conversation we started with, which is, I mean, then you, you put on a, a debate, and I, again, I know how hard you work to put that on and how serious you are about ensuring that you know, the questions are right down the middle and that you know, there's no bias because, again, you... You know, you lose a, uh, any credibility once, and, and it's really hard to get it back. And so I know how, you know, how serious you take that public trust and what that means in terms of the criteria you use to invite candidates and how you treat the questions and how, again, the, 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 you know, probably most viewers or listeners don't, don't see that side of things. But it, <laughs> you know, it, you, it takes a lot of work to maintain the public trust in that way. Right. And then, you know, we, we also have this incredible children's service. And, you know, this year for the we added a fifth broadcast channel, 24-7 kids channel. Hmm. Well, you know, if, if you're if you've got children, where do you trust to send your children? And, you know, there again, public television is got a, a real track record of being able to provide content that is not just entertaining for their children, but also has demonstrated educational impact. And we have lots of research to show how kids that interact with our content do better in school and all of the, throughout their career, right? That's so true. Uh, just just please tell me that you don't show Caillou. That's, a, that's all I would ask. 24-7. 24-7 Caillou. That's the newest channel. <laughs> we were saving that for the next segment. But uh, Caillou PTV is uh, the next thing that Ron's going to be announcing. Um, unless you call us right now <laughs> and donate to That's Radio That's the Boise. biggest threat I've ever heard <laughs> on this station. <laughs> call immediately, 208-258-2072, or our next guest will be Caillou. That's right. We're going to give you a quick, we're going to take a quick break, give you an opportunity to think about that and how mo how motivated you are to donate to Radio Boise. Give us a call. Check us out online, radioboise.org. Or come on down to the station at 1020 West Main Street. And uh, if nothing else, just tell us what you like about the show. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be happy to hear that and keep giving you more of it. So stay tuned. We'll be back here in just a second. I love Radio Boise because the DJs and the music are fresh. <laughs> and we are back. Uh, this is Justin. I'm here with Jen and Corey from School of Public Service. We're the hosts of The Big Tent. Uh, we're excited to be a relatively new program here on Radio Boise, our first Radiothon. And uh, big thanks to Ron uh, Pisaneski for joining us from Idaho Public Television today. 
Uh, Ron is a, is a, uh, a supporter uh, uh, of, of Radio Boise, uh, as am I, as if, if Jen isn't already, is going to be, if nothing else, for the hoodie uh, and the ability to be a part of this community. Um, and uh, so, Jen, you've been, you've been now down here at Radio Boise for... Well, a couple months, I think we've been doing this. Yeah. Um, have you enjoyed your uh, your time? Oh, it's been awesome. I mean, I uh, I was one of those folks who ha- had a serious NPR addiction, so I hadn't uh, fully appreciated Radio Boise. And when I started coming down here to work on the show, started listening a lot more intently, and just my appreciation has grown over the past several weeks. And also, it's just so exciting to be part of um, a group of people who are trying to build something and to build something unique. Uh, and that is helping the community move forward. It's been fantastic. Absolutely. We we have a, a uh, donation. It's uh, um, it's one I'm I have mixed feelings about announcing. Uh, and uh, Wayne has uh, supported the, the the Radio Boise today in honor of our show. Um, but with uh, one request, and that's that I don't play any Nirvana. As we, uh, as we, as we, but he wants that this week, and if he wants to keep on doing that every week, then uh, we'll keep we'll keep taking that money. So thanks, Wayne. Uh, I, we we very much so appreciate the support. Maybe not the uh, the musical sensibility, but um, Nirvana free radio. Yeah, That's right, us. right. NFR. Uh, <laughs> so do you have any rules like that at uh, at Idaho Public Television? No, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the equivalent of that would be. I, I don't. I don't think so. No Johnny well, Carson clips or something. Like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, Johnny Carson. <laughs> That's great. Good. No. Well, so, uh, so what was the uh, the dust up was just that you're supposed to be playing indie music, Justin? Is that why? I think that's pushback? basically what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, that. Um, uh, just you went all raging normie on on the station. Huh? I I did. Uh, you know, and and. Um, Does that mean if I got my own uh, music show, I couldn't play Kesha? I think that would be a fair likelihood what about jefferson starship uh that's different you know it's old enough that maybe it's new again oh uh, we'll have to talk right? to it depends we'll on which which track <laughs> right deep deep cuts i'm thinking we built this city that's a classic uh, you're gonna get in trouble for that oh shoot okay. I, w- I do want to say and ordinarily i don't i don't spin things thing this way but that it's a it's it's evidence that uh, the listeners care enough to get in touch and say hey man you're letting us down you know, we expect high quality programming, whether that's whether that's kind of new indie rock or, you know, obscure bargain, ba- maybe not bargain based bin uh, uh, cuts, but cuts they're not necessarily always used to hearing uh, or, you know, top shelf uh, social analysis, which we're yeah, absolutely. maybe giving. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, the fact that our audience engages with us in that way. Is, is unique and valued, and, I, and I'm sure it's also true for what, what you have over at, uh, at the television station. Uh, well, you know, we try to, but I, I, again, it's all as a result of the, the, the viewers, in our case, the listeners, and in the case of Radio Boise, and it's, you know, it's up to them. If they believe in the kind of work that we're doing, then, it, then they need to do their part and to make a contribution. And, um, you know, as for for my wife and I, we we found that that giving in a monthly sustaining way worked best for us. It doesn't quite sting as much to have that, you know, little bit coming out every month of our of our, you know, our bank account or a credit card. And, um, you know, I'd encourage folks if you've never been a contributor before, this would be a great chance to 
to give us a call here in the studio or go online to radioboise.org and, and make a gift. And you can do it in that sort of easy way where set it up once, you don't have to think about it again, and, and know that you're helping make this whole organization uh, continue to grow and to be a part of the, the community. And, to, um, you know, it's, if you like it, do something to help it out. Yeah, I think uh, that's how we started. I think the the first time we ever supported the station, we just, uh, we'll do this ten bucks a month, and pretty soon you don't you don't notice that ten bucks, um, and then it increased the number, and and uh, and and uh, and so you know if you're thinking, oh, you know what, this is the year that I should do it, um, you know you can you can do ten bucks, you can do less, um, uh, or you can even just give our one of our our operators a call and just tell them what you like about the show and. Um, and that maybe you'll give us a call with uh, w- with uh, some funds next time, um, but uh, and, and if you are already giving and you like me realized, huh? I did. I haven't really felt that pain when that monthly bill comes. That um, uh, you know maybe increase the figure a little bit. But um, uh, we are we are standing by. We are ready to to, to hear from you and. Um, it's a real easy way for you to make sure that you today support your local radio station. And we're heading towards the top of the hour, so we want to really encourage you to call in or uh, to go to radioboise.org and to uh, give what you can. We want to give a shout-out to Steve and Elizabeth, who uh, gave here during the Big Tent. We appreciate that. Uh, give us a call at 208 258 2072 it's a chance to really make your mark and really invest in the station again as we're working towards uh, funding the repairs for the antenna, which can be pretty significant even for large commercial stations. Uh, we know we're going to reach that goal here by the end of the Radiothon, but this is a chance uh, for you to really be part of this community and to know that your donation made a real difference. Yeah, thank you. And so, Steve, Elizabeth, your donation did make that difference. And um you know, for the rest of you, we're asking for gifts of support to uh, help us see, you know, continue what we're doing, know the appreciation that the community has uh, for the work that uh, that we're doing. Uh, and, um, you know, help us get that new transmitter built. Help us uh, continue to, you know, bring a strong, consistent signal to the Treasure Valley. And, um, uh, you know, even give us some tips. What do you want to hear us talk about next week or in weeks to come? You know, every, every week or so we put our heads together and say, what should we be talking about? Um, uh, and, uh, I guarantee you, if you sent us a note or came by and, and, uh, and, and, and introduce yourself that, and had an idea, we'll almost certainly steal it from you. Yeah, you can also, <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter yep. at, at Big Tent Radio and we'll, uh, direct you where you can donate. And we'd also just love to hear your comments and feedback on the show. Yeah. So again, one last time, the phone number for today, 208-258-2072, or you can, uh, go online, safe, secure, and easy, uh, radioboise.org, or you can come down here to the station, 1020 West Main Street. Uh, we're downstairs in the basement, Suite 50. There is a table of snacks and beverages that uh, are yours, whether you donate or not. Um, and so thank Jen. It's been fun as always. Thanks. Yeah, you bet. Thanks especially to you today, Ron, for coming and, and sharing some of your wisdom and time and, and support for Radio Boise with our listeners. Uh, we appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. And we will be back uh, next week and uh, uh, with the uh, the next episode of the Big Tent. But baby, you hardly even notice when I try to show you. Song is meant to keep you doing what you're supposed.